now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one died. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. It's the PowerCat Questions Podcast, your weekly adventure through Kansas State sports, hosted by an old man with three young guys. I hear that's the, the knock on us. Not enough old people on this podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, the old, Zach Carlson, He's breaking 30 now, so he's kind of getting there. Cole Carmody and Ryan Gills-Gilbert and a special guest appearance by our own Michael Goins. Thanks, Fitz. And there we go. That's <laughs> that's Ryan Gills-Gilbert with another impersonation that he's adding flavor to our podcast. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and I'm surfing uh, their uh, Twitter machine account right now. It is Shop Fridge, and they have a... Oak Spire from New Belgium. First of all, I love New Belgium products. And it's uh, from Four Roses Bourbon also. It's back for a limited time. Oak Spire features an infusion method to pull the flavors from the bourbon-steeped oak and marries it with a deep amber ale. Man, that sounded sexy. They got married in the middle of that tweet. It's incredible. Check out everything at the fridge. They are fantastic people. Fantastic selection, and it's right here in Manhattan where everyone should be this weekend for a morning kickoff with Texas Tech. We are fresh off of the Tuesday press conference with Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman and selected players. Well, we don't select them. They're selected for us. But another good session with Adrian Martinez and the gang, and it was an interesting one. Everyone's in a good mood. It worries me. I want a little grumpy. They played better grumpy. Chris Kleiman was grumpy when you played his birthday song. I played Little Beatles for him. It was his birthday today, or yesterday, I guess it would be, now that you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. He said he is 55. 55. He was wondering if he's uh, caught me yet, and I'm like, you never will, you young punk. You young punk. Yep, uh, it's another good session with him. Um, I, I appreciate how uh, honest he is and... We had a little, I guess it was on the record, but kind of off the record, talk about the environment at Oklahoma. We will do a daily delivery on that. Do we have any questions about that? I hope not, because it's going to steal a daily delivery topic from me. We'll we'll talk about Oklahoma. Let's get going here. We got stuff to do. I got a radio appearance we're going to have to pause this first half with to do. So here we go. Your questions from Wildbass Station, and one of the young guys has them. They're staring at each other. I cool. thought we were doing the radio hit. No, we're not. Not yet. No. This podcast is off to a Burmese booming start. Yep. Go, 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 go. First question comes from Snare Cat 3. He's a, he's a former drummer. Really? Well, he asked, what the hell? That was his whole question? That was, that the, was whole the question. Well, I don't, I don't 
I can't explain that. Was that in his question after the Tulane game, too? I think he had the same question. Um, did he say what the hell, or did he say WTH? He said what the hell. Spelled it out for us. Wow. That's nice of him. Don't use those fancy acronyms with the, with his olds. LOL. Um, yeah, I can't explain it. I really can't. I can't wrap my mind around. I've never seen a player. I've heard coaches talk about they need to turn it on. They need to get going. They need to do this. Chris Kleiman told his quarterback to flip a switch. And he flipped a damn switch and went from pretty mediocre, awful against Tulane to Heisman Trophy candidate. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But by God, if Adrian Martinez plays anywhere near that the rest of the season, nobody's beaten K-State. Nobody. It felt like Adrian Martinez was like sitting at the blackjack table and he's down to his last been there last few dollars, makes a bet. Puts, puts a bunch of money on the side bet, too, and everything hits. And he's able to continue on and then continues building up that bankroll and leaves the casino up a 1000 bucks. So you're saying there's a chance for me to get rich again? There is. Okay. But right. it's like he, he went basically all in at the right time because a week ago we were talking about what's it going to take from Adrian Martinez to not have Will Howard come in? And we were talking about you need to use Will Howard, you know, for a few plays. After, after Saturday... I don't know if you need to use Will Howard if Adrian Martinez is going to play that well. My God. I have no clue what happened over the last week. What we talked about with Adrian Martinez was his running ability and his really his inability to run the football. Right? It was he's not going to get you those extra yards. He hasn't shown us that he's able to put his foot in the ground, get upfield, and get a first down. That changed on the very first drive of the game when it was third and 12. Adrian Martinez took off, got four yards with three defenders on his back, picked up the first down. He had the FU mentality. I am here. I don't care what how the game progresses. I am here. I am going to do my damnedest to make sure that I put the team on my back. And if we lose, we lose. But I'm going out guns blazing. And his guns blazing, they're pretty good. It's got to be easy or relatively easy to flip the switch and start to play more aggressively. But the fact that he didn't turn the ball over and things went as well as they did, that's where I'm just really surprised. I'm not surprised he flipped the switch. I'm surprised how, how well it went. I agree. I agree with all that. I, I can't even. I, I, I'm serious. I can't put into words how different it was, and I'm happy for him because you could tell he carried a lot of that stress. He knew he'd let his teammates down, and and look, even if you're a seasoned veteran, it's no fun taking crap from fans and guys like me. And um, I don't think I really gave him crap. I think I gave him a fair assessment, but. Still, that's not fun. That's not a fun process. Nobody wants to have negativity around their name. And there was a lot of negativity around it. And that's all he's really had for the most of his college football career because he was in an environment at Nebraska that devolved into toxicity. And still, we have fans that are so toxic about Adrian Martinez. Next question comes from Why Old Cat. I just actually just now got that. I just put it together. Why old cat? I don't get it. Like, oh, I cat? didn't. I didn't until you told oh, me. Oh, yes, seriously. Really say it. Wow. Why old cat? I just got that. That's it's very. Minutes, so. I never got that either. <laughs> nice. I always just thought he was part of one of the olds. That was like you, Timothy. I know. Team old, go. Watch, watch, watch him uh, figure it out too when he's listening to this. Like, like why hey, old cat? It was that actually meant this. There you go. Okay, uh, he asks. Who deserves more credit for Adrian Martinez's improved play, Colin Klein or Chris Kleiman? Adrian Martinez. 
That's exactly what I was going to say. I think the coaches did a really good job of taking pressure off of him and saying, hey, it's okay. Chris Kleiman's a great psychological coach. I mean, you could see with the hug after the game how close he gets with his players in a short period of time. I mean, this is not a freshman coming in that needs a dad figure in his life. This is a grown man who's come after four years of football and been on the national stage. Everyone knows his name around the country. Um, and he still has bought in completely to what Chris Kleiman's selling. But Adrian fixed himself at the end of the day. Adrian had to go out and, and redefine who he was. And I think he realized how unsettling what he did was, how he'd been playing was. Because, yeah, he didn't want to be the same player was at Nebraska. But it was pretty clear the version he had become wasn't going to work. And somehow he found the right version. Now, maybe there was some fortune in there not to have turnovers. There were some tip passes and some other plays where the ball could have bounced differently. Maybe he would have gotten strip sacked at some point. He's kind of loosey-goosey with that ball at times. It's going to happen. But overall, I, I, I credit Adrian for having the maturity and the patience and the diligence to evaluate himself not get defensive about how he played, you know, not being coachable. And even when you're trying to coach yourself, I don't think he got too down on himself. And honestly, I think it helped that his parents were here at the game. It was the first game they had seen since he came to K-State. And uh, I think that made a difference. It probably locked him in a little bit to have the family in the stands. They, You know what they say, you can always judge not only a player, but a person based off of what they do when their back is against the wall. It was fight or flight for Adrian yeah. Martinez. And instead of laying down and rolling over, like, I hate to bag on Nebraska people, but like a lot of Nebraska fans probably thought he would do, he said, let's go. And he looked death in the face and took his mask off, as Lil Wayne would say, if you know that song. You yeah, know that song? I know that well. I know it well. <laughs> okay. yeah. It's my but, favorite Lil Wayne uh, song. Yeah. Little Wayne. Yeah. Little. Little. Small Wayne. Small, small. He's a little guy. Tiny so, Ween. Yeah. Or, yeah, there we go. Seriously, though, you look at Adrian Martinez's stat line, 21 of 34, 234 yards and a touchdown. That is repeatable. That is something that he can do week in and week out, throwing the ball-wise, throwing the ball. Now, he's not going to rush for 148 yards and four touchdowns every single every single game, but that's why K-State has Deuce Vaughn. If Adrian Martinez can throw for over 230 yards and complete a good amount of his passes like he did— K-State's going to have to have a chance to be successful every single game. So, um, I, But to answer this question, I think you're right. It's Adrian, and then to me it's Chris Kleiman because he installed that confidence in Adrian Martinez to say, hey, you know what, you're our guy. It's, it's, it's rise or shine. Like, you know, it's sink or swim. It's one of the – all these other – you know, these similes we're talking about, it's, it's these things because you're our guy. I really do want to know the conversations from last week. I know – Adrian was asked about it, but um, he didn't really reveal much and didn't want to, and that's mm-hmm. fine. But part of me wonders was, you know, was it a butt chewing, you know, behind closed doors? You know, hey, you weren't good enough. You got to be better. And I think that's the gist of what the conversation was. But I do want to know how much pressure Adrian Martinez was under from the coaching staff. And quite frankly, I think that Colin Klein was under a bit of pressure too after, two, after Tulane. I think that, you know, Chris Kleiman could come out and say what, you know, it's on me, it's on this, you know. It really wasn't Kleiman, it was 
Klein and, and Martinez for the Tulane game. So I wonder what happened just behind the scenes overall and how Chris Kleiman was able to motivate his coaching staff and Adrian Martinez going into the OU game. To counterpoint that, what if there was less pressure after the first three games just because, uh, you know, don't turn the ball over and then once you have a bad game, you lose to Tulane, then there's the pressure say, hey, we need you to, to be a lot better. Um, I don't know. Maybe the exact opposite happened maybe. to what you just said, Zach. Maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, but um, I'm going to have some talks with you guys afterwards. The podcast about stepping up. Flip the switch. Damn okay. It. Flip the switch. <laughs> Very good. Uh, next question comes from Matthew Sker. Matthew Scar. Matthew Sker. I guess. I'm thinking. I don't know if this is a Nebraska fan. It's oh boy. It has an R at the end of it. Okay. No, he's no, he's been around on our site. Okay. He's been around. Well, they're a he first pays time. For us. They're a first time question asker. So welcome to the podcast. Congratulations. Mm. Yummy. Do you think there was an added layer to the chess match between Brent Venable's defense and Colin Klein's offense, since both were proteges of Bill Snyder? Yeah, but they're different generations. You know, I mean, there's no overlap even close to it. I mean, Collins from 2.0 and Brent's from early 1.0. I mean, he's, he left in 90 after 98. So, but there is this. You know that Brent is familiar with Bill Snyder's offense, so he's probably familiar with some of the stuff that was run. And for me, that's what makes the last touchdown running quarterback power is so satisfying. Because Brent was there when the quarterback run game with Michael Bishop was established. He was part of those great teams as a member of the coaching staff. He's seen quarterback power from the very origins of it at Kansas State through, you know, playing a coaching against it as they moved into the future. And um, then Colin takes over, runs that same touchdown play against Oklahoma and calls it for Adrian. I just there's so many levels of satisfying to that for player for coach, considering who was on the other sideline, who the opponent was. It it was it was brilliant. Chris Kleiman and Colin and Colin Klein completely outcoached Brent Venables in the entire Oklahoma staff this week. They did. There was not a single aspect where K State was not better than Oklahoma. I wonder what went through their head after tying the score at 14, and the kicker doesn't get the ball through the end zone and Malik Knowles catches it. You could make the argument that was the biggest play of the game. You can. You can. And this is the problem when your game plan is to not have returns. We're going to kick it through the end zone. We're going to punt it away or, you know, punt it high so he has to fair catch it. When the kicker makes a mistake, the coverage units aren't as ready as you think they need to be. And they were not ready. They were lucky that didn't get housed. Very lucky. They very easily could have been six. It should have been six. But you know what? Again, I look at that substitution. That's another That's another component that I want to talk about. There's because so yeah. many little things in this game. Out coaching him. But again, Malik Knowles takes that to the house for a touchdown. You kick right back off to Oklahoma. Hardly any time comes off the clock. How much time is left in the game for Oklahoma to score later on? In, you know, in the first half, maybe they can get another touchdown up there. I mean, everything just kind of played in. That substitution, that substitution was satisfying because Oklahoma runs on the late sub and K-State was ready. Send someone in. Kleiman said he told Buddy, send someone in. He sent 
Cody Stuffelbean. It was Nate Matlack came in for Cody Stuffelbean. Nate Matlack had not played the entire game. I firmly believe the only reason he got into the game is because he was standing right next to Buddy right. Wyatt. And Buddy Wyatt heard us through his headset. He's looking around. He goes, I need a D-end. And Nate Matlack comes limping out on the field. And sure enough, delay a game. Amazing. I mean, Absolutely yeah. amazing. Every little thing. Adrian Martinez sliding. It became eventually, and this is what so many coaches miss, that Kleiman doesn't, Snyder never did. The clock is part of your calculations and everything you do. And K-State went tempo for a lot of the game, almost like pressing a team that presses and gave Oklahoma troubles with tempo. Not going nearly as fast as Oklahoma does, but it still gave them trouble. They were trying to read signals and read formations, and they couldn't do it. I mean, K-State was snapping the ball with 25 seconds right. on the play clock at times. And then they get That is incredibly fast by K-State standards. Oh. And really, even if you're, if you're using the first half of that play clock to snap, the, if you're snapping it by 20, yeah. that is still very fast in college football. And then they fast. get ahead, and they slow it down. They, you know, they say, okay, now we're going to take the air out because we've got to run the clock. So he's he's thinking of all elements right here. And he, and as much as we want to talk about the players and the preparation, Chris Kleiman was on every note in this game. He did take Brent Venables to school. That that pregame photo I put on Twitter is Amazing. unbelievable. I would just I, I need to show that to Kleiman sometime. The look on his face is, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> we talk so much about the, the things that Kleiman and his staff did. Give them credit, but Oklahoma and Venables just shot, shot themselves in the foot. 11 penalties accepted against them, and most of them were just like delay a game or false starts. False starts, right? yeah. So They're trying to blame their own PA announcer for that. I, isn't that crazy? I can't even entertain that idea. If you had told me after the game it would be Oklahoma complaining about the in-game environment, I would have said you're crazy because this thing was a fiasco. No. They the Big 12's got to intervene with Oklahoma. You can't do this stuff. First of all, the PA guy can't be yelling while the, the, quarter, while the quarterback's trying to snap down. the ball. That should be a penalty. Yep. The Big 12 needs to make it very clear to these officials. You call that penalty. They can't do that. And the strobe effects, while the game is getting ready to play. I mean, Ty Zinner's back there trying to punt and ready to go. And the ref is ready to start the play clock. And I, I really did think he was going to get on his mic to say, turn the lights on. But... Seriously, they should have called a delay a game on Oklahoma. If you were at the game, you would realize, for those who are watching it on TV, it's a lot hard to under, hard to understand what we're talking about. But oh, but they showed multiple times. They showed a live shot of the whole stadium and just dark light, dark light. It was light. so much so, more drastic. Yeah. I saw I saw the replay, and it was so much more drastic when you're actually there because even in the press box, we're like, oh, God, what is going on? How is that legal? What if it can't they have, be. like, some they, sort of seizure issue or something? I know. Right? I don't understand. I, I, I don't. I was telling Zach, every Apple show I watch on Apple Plus has this show might mm. include strobe effects. I mean, they're already putting the disclaimer. If the, Even if there's no strobe effects, you go to a giant stadium where you can't hide from the lights and they're running strobe effects. I mean, not like little strobe. This was like strobes, like you're in a dance club. Hey. It, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. If it was legal, if it stays legal, I'd love to have it at K State used more moderately than what they did. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. whoever runs the in game stuff at Oklahoma, they tow a fine line of they what's went over legal it. and what's not. They went over. They it. went over it. And I'm telling you, I'm just going to say it. If Baylor or Oklahoma State or Kansas State does that on their home field to Oklahoma or Texas, that crap's called. That's a penalty. Oklahoma just got away with it because it's Oklahoma. 
It is the what is it the what on the prairie? The Palace on the, the palace. Prairie. What a stupid good one, go go. Flucking name for. <laughs> <laughs> Was, there was an owl <laughs> for right. for uh, a stadium, the Palace on the Prairie. Give me a break. Next question comes from Big Sam. Does the usage of Ben Sennett show signs of play calling to come at K-State, or is it just another aberration where they have guys that get it done for a game or two at the tight end position, and then for some reason the staff goes back to refusing to utilize them as a receiving option? No. I hope it's not the second no. part. No, it's not going to be the second part. He's a stud. Can we get that out? Can we get that out of the way now? Ben Sennett is a freaking stud. He is Baby Gronk. That is his new nickname, and maybe it's only because he wears the arm brace. But he is a mismatch. He's fast. He's physical. Sometimes his blocking is a little bit so-so. All right. I think he's better as a lead blocker than he is as a hand in the dirt tight end, traditional tight end. But he catches everything. I have not seen him have a ball come to him where he has not caught it. But he's also been wide open. He was wide open in the OU game. Yeah. Oh, we'll put it in the yeah. Tulane so game. No offense, but Cole, you could have caught those balls. I, I'm serious. I When they walk, went back and watched the Tulane tape, they're like, what? I mean, he's running free through the secondary consistently and not getting the ball. So they knew they had to get it to him. Being able to throw over the middle, it's not just throwing to the tight end. They're throwing over the middle, which is something K-State hasn't done a whole lot of in the recent history. It's just not something... Bill Snyder did. It is a higher um, risk pass, and they did it with great effect against Oklahoma. The fact that it's on film now, I don't think he's going to go for 80 yards every single game from here on out, but you would surely hope they're not just going to abandon that because that's what they did with him out of Bebe, right? Like last year, they just stopped throwing it to him. I'll say this. Now that he's emerged as a weapon, that's another thing to worry about. I mean, you've got speed on the outside. You can question the receivers, but they can run. you got to keep up with. You can't let Deuce get covered by a linebacker. I mean, so now you put the linebacker on Senate, and he can outrun him. It's, it's, a, it's a problem for defense coordinators. We saw it come to full fruition in this game. That zone read with quarterback and running back, is virtually unstoppable unless you're right there at the point of attack. And they didn't even really add in a whole lot of RPO to that layer where he's going to pull it out and throw it. They had some, but that's a whole nother issue to bring up for a defensive coordinator to try to wrestle about this Kansas State team. The reason why Ben Sennett was so good was because Malik Knowles was so good on Saturday. That is the best game that Malik Knowles has had as a K-State Wildcat, considering the situations. He was extremely good. Not only did he catch everything that was thrown his way, but his blocking was the best I've seen it all year, the past two years, whatever you want to say. Um, The reason why Ben Sennett was open was, yes, he was running wide open, but it was because Oklahoma had to respect Malik Knowles. They had to respect Phillip Brooks, and naturally that's going to leave guys like Ben Sennett and Cade Warner open, and AJ Martinez took advantage. Yeah, it finally felt like there was more layers to the mm-hmm. passing game than just, you know, maybe throw it to Malik, maybe throw it to Phillip. And that was really all we saw for the first, you know, few games. Little- Cade Warner catches the touchdown pass against Tulane, which was probably the best pass all year up to that point. Mm-hmm. So now you're throwing it to Ben Sennett over the middle. You've added a layer. Now you can get Malik Knowles open, maybe. Phillip Brooks open, maybe. You know, and then, um, you know... I know Deuce went over for 100 yards on on Saturday, but it really didn't feel like he had as big of an impact on the game as, you know, the other offensive aspects. Here's what Deuce did to him. 
He was so effective in the first half, they brought more resources in around the line of scrimmage. And then Colin went full Bill Snyder. Okay, you're going to pack the box a little bit? We're going bubble screen. And the damage Phillip Brooks did in the bubble screen game, you can't underestimate that. He put them in great peril because he was making people miss. If It's like a punt return for him. If you make the first guy miss, you could go. And he made the first guy miss a couple times. There was one time when he should have been tackled behind the line of scrimmage. It picked up like eight yards. I still don't understand how he did it. But that's his strength, and that is a great play to run uh, to really mess with the defense that is so worried about the run game. Last question of the first half comes from Purple Powered. I'd love to know how and why Brandon Plattner saddled up that OU band instrument. Oh, my God. Is that the funniest thing? To fill people in. Um, what is it? Sousaphone? Is that what that was? We call it a trauma. It's a tuba. A tuba. But, but snare cat will probably say it's a sousaphone. Sousaphone. Yeah. I don't, he must have found it just laying there after the game. I don't understand. And here he is with it. I prefer that photo over the, the shirtless offensive lineman, by the way. Blend in with that. You don't photo. like Connor Riley shirtless? Well, I like. I appreciate the fact. You can't that, even see that he's wearing pants in that photo. Yeah, either. I like the know. fact that he looks like an old guy that just wandered into the photo and stripped naked and yeah. stood in the back. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but no, that's that's an epic. What a great photo for that kid to have for the rest of his life. You know, that's Grandpa when he beat Oklahoma in football <laughs> and he stole an instrument. You know, it's going to be awesome. That kid is very entertaining. Plattner is long snappers are forever my favorite position because there's been such a history of colorful characters at K-State. Oh, so that's why you like me, Fitz. Were you a snapper? I was. I should have been a snapper. I mean, that guy could be in the NFL. Actually, Brandon Plattner can make it to the NFL. He's actually that good. He's pretty good. So, And the mullet is a moneymaker. Adds to it. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Don't go anywhere. Listen to these ads. They paid big money. I think we're selling our ads for like $10,000 a show now because it's so popular. I might be lying. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the Powercat podcast. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. There was a little dramatic pause in there. I liked it. I'm going to use it more often. 
There's another one. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gilbert, and two dogs that are amazingly behaved right now. They haven't been, but they're doing a good job right now being focused. And we're focused on Kansas State football, your Kansas State questions, because that's what this podcast is about. Anyone can listen to the podcast, but to ask the questions, you got to be a subscriber and asking our questions thread at Wabash Station. And that's what we're going through. We do it every week. We have a lot of fun with it. And we're sponsored by The Fridge. Make sure when you come to town on Saturday, just swing by The Fridge and pick up your party needs right there. And where's that? It's at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. It's uh, Claflin and, and Westport. Okay. There we go. And uh, someone who we no longer can mention uh, knows that I'll never quite get it right. One of these days you will. He who must not be named. He who must not be named. We can name him, but he just works for the competition now. He's a traitor. Hmm. First, that, that's okay. First question of the second half. Proud of him. Question I wonder mark. if they like him over there. They, they love him. They love, there's just a lot of talk about how awesome he is. <laughs> Are we getting to the questions from Let's Wabash Station? Uh, here we go. First question of the second half comes from Get Out More Cat. What are your thoughts on K-State being ranked in the AP Top 25 poll? I'm happy, but I'm going to make a lot of you mad. I would have had KU above K-State. They are 4-0. I know the Oklahoma win is more significant than anything KU's done, but so is the Tulane loss. If K-State and KU played on a neutral field right now, who would win? I think K-State's better. I think certainly by the time KU gets to Manhattan, so much will be figured out about what they're doing, and their defense hasn't really been fully tested. I mean, their defense is not good, but they've been able to outscore everyone. Jalen Daniels is playing out of his mind. I, But still, they're 4-0 with two Power 5 road wins. I don't know how people voted them not in it's the comparison is not k-state and ku this week in the ap poll right it is ole miss and ku in the Absolutely. ap poll Absolutely. if you look at who ole miss has played and you look at who ku has played how and if you just said this is this this is team a's resume this is team b's resume which one of these teams has the better resume it's ku day in day out based on what they've done so far. I'm not saying at the end of the season it's going to be the same, but, but this is that's, the how, that's how people look at... Of, of having a reputation like the SEC. Right. Get, Ole Miss gets into the preseason poll for whatever reason. Yeah, they're supposed to be good, but yeah, they're still unbeaten and they're climbing in the poll, but it's all because they were ranked in the preseason, and that's why I hate the preseason poll. I really wish that they would put together a preseason poll almost like a preseason All-Big 12 team. Say, here's the preseason poll, but the voters are going to wipe their slate clean and start from scratch after we start playing football. What happens on the field is going to be tangible. If, If you're not impressive, you're not getting ranked. And the nonsense that Texas gets ranked because they lost close. Yeah. No one else gets that. No. No one else gets that. I mean, that's just crap. And maybe Texas wasn't good at all. Maybe Alabama's not good. Have we stopped to think maybe Alabama's not that good this year? Yeah, I'm. It, the whole way we do rankings is a mess. And there's so much predetermined by reputation, and it's blowing up on Kansas. And I know what's happening to Kansas because I saw it happen to Kansas State for years upon years under Coach Snyder. Oh, you're 4-0. and 
wait until you play someone. Well, you don't say that about other schools. You just don't. I just want to know this. And and this is the last thing I'll say. Oh, good. Well, no. <laughs> K-State is ranked number 25. KU is ranked number 26. Unofficially. Nope, you are not ranked at all. Unofficially. KU, you are not ranked at all. You're not ranked. Okay. So we got that out of the way. But the question is asking about K-State. So that, that I want to I want to clear that up before I say this. I think that the win against Oklahoma neutralizes the loss against Tulane. So therefore, do I think K-State is a top 25 team? Yes. So do they belong in the top 25? Yes. Now, my next question to you guys is this. Is if K-State is 4 and 0, are we talking about them any differently? Yeah. For sure. It is interesting. If they had gone if they'd been 3 and 0 after Tulane, I'm not sure they get into the rankings. And then they beat Oklahoma. And I don't know Maybe how much they're at twenty three. Yeah, that's if exactly four and zero right now. K-State. I think I think they'd be top twenty. I would flirt with top fifteen. Mm, you beat a power five Mizzou team. Yeah. OU on the road. Yeah, that, two lanes respectable. Not not K State. Hmm. Seriously, not K State. There's different rules yeah. for different schools. K State is about a week behind of where they should be rated. In the my fact opinion, that they're that's, ranked right now with a loss. Imagine what they'd be if they were undefeated. And I get that I argument. S- I still think it'd be 20 because yeah. they wouldn't have been ranked last week. Interesting. And they'd be ranked now and they'd be like, well, let's put them up. And some there's still some media members that would have them unranked. And then, Which is fine. That's and That's fine. That's an opinion. That's fine. But I'm just saying there would be some outliers that would have them at 11 or 12 saying, yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they beat OU. They get to be one of the contenders in the Big 12 this year. That's the rules. And, you know, it'll take – time for the other national people to to catch up okay so i just did a, a hit on sikkim sikkim 365 those guys are awesome well we talked about it we we are already seeing it well texas and oklahoma lost that doesn't mean the big 12 is good beyond texas and oklahoma it means the big 12 is not very good that's just how it works i mean they always have that asterisk and KU's going through this. Oh, you beat Houston? Well, they're they're apparently no good. Oh, you beat Duke? Well, they're apparently no good. I mean, if you beat them, then they're no good. You don't get credit for beating anyone. It's just uh, it's just how the pollsters work it out in their brain. How addicted they are to brands, and they've got to have those brands in there. They want to be associated with those brands. They don't want to make those brands upset. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they're both really good football teams. So let me say this: If I feel first of all, let me just say I feel very confident that K State will beat Texas Tech this weekend. I feel really good about that game. I feel like K-State should be fine. They'll find a way to win. Then they go to Iowa State. If they are at the bye at 5-1, and one, where are they ranked? Well, it's, 15. Hard, it's hard to say. I would guess 15. But someone's got to lose in front of them. K-State does, doesn't really very often get the benefit. Oh, you look really good. We're going to hop you over these teams that have been ranked above you and haven't lost you know, recently. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't happen that often for a Kansas State. Now, if if Oklahoma goes and who's Oklahoma got this week? TCU. TCU. They go and thump TCU. Oh boy, they're going to move up. Yeah. But if K State thumps TCU in three, four weeks, whatever it works out to be with the off week, yeah. nah, no, no, it's okay. TCU's no good. They already lost Oklahoma. Yep. So as we talk about the schedule, Autumn Cat wants to know what is your updated outlook for the season. Does Does Autumn Cat change their name with the season? I don't think so. So they're in season right now. Yes. I was so focused on the joke, I have no idea what the question was. What is the updated, updated outlook? outlook? Oh, a national championship. 
I, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, we've seen bad and we've seen incredible. And what, if they end up somewhere in between, what does that mean in the, in the context of this conference? That's the other thing. Is West Virginia bad? Maybe they're bad by Big 12 standards, but Pitt's one of the better teams in the ACC. The ACC's bad. And and they played with them. And then they just absolutely destroy Virginia Tech. Who is absolutely terrible. How that happened. Oh, my God. So, I mean, if we're talking about that's the worst this conference has to offer, well, they can beat people. They just did it. And if you, do, if you want to say West Virginia's not the worst team, I think the next closest team would be TCU. And they beat SMU. And if you want to say maybe it's not TCU, then do you look at Iowa State, who also beat Iowa? That's crazy. I think Iowa State may be the, one of the worst teams in the in the conference this year. Not because they're bad, but because everyone's so competitive. And, and, and if you want to say Texas Tech, they lost by 13 points on the road to the number 10 team in the country in NC State. Or do you want to say Texas, who, let's just say this, by the way, lost a one point to Alabama. It's nuts. This conference is deep. So I agree with Zach. I think if K-State gets to the turn at 5-1, and one, the middle season break, which I love having the break right smack dab in the middle for the team and, honestly, for us, um, I, I think they will be top 15 to go to TCU. I don't even know what's after that. That's all I've been focused on. They get their home stand in there somewhere. They, it gets nasty with Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Texas. It just gets a little bit uh, chippy. It's going to be a tough run, and then you go to West Virginia and then come on and play Kansas. I think the win on Saturday, you know, it turned things around. You lose that, you're 2-2 two and two overall. You're 0-1 in conference. You have an uphill battle in the conference, but you open up with Oklahoma, who, whether they deserve it or not, are year in, year out, picked to be a competitor for the Big 12 title. So you get that win right out of the way. You got to play a Texas Tech team that just beat Texas. So, you know, not that they're going to be a contender, but you get that win out of the way. And if you can go beat Iowa State, who is kind of a contender, maybe they're a pretender, but you go and beat them and you're 3 0. I think that this win on Saturday against Oklahoma truly made K State a legitimate title contender, even after the loss against Tulane. I think the loss against Tulane fired them up, got them ready for, for conference play. And just the way the schedule sits, you know, with that bye week after three weeks of big 12 play with six games to go now, right after the bye week, you have a tough stretch. You're going to go to TCU. You're going to play Texas. You're going to play Oklahoma state and go to Baylor all in four weeks in a row. We think it's a tough stretch, but we really don't know until the games begin. I mean, we think it's a tough stretch on paper, but you know, we'll get into it in a couple questions about what games this weekend are, are important, you know, in the conference race. But I think right now, when you look at K-State's schedule for the next two weeks versus everyone else's schedule, K-State can truly set itself apart and potentially be be the leader of the conference for one of those two conference title game spots if they just win these next two games. They're good. Next question comes from Call Me T22. K State and Texas Tech are both coming off a big emotional wins over the Traders. Who is more likely to have a big emotional letdown after last week? Why do, why do we have to call them Traders? What do you want to call them? Asshats. Okay, that's better. <laughs> um, the answer to this question is Texas Tech, and I don't even think it's close, to be honest. Yeah. 
I mean, they, they just beat Texas, who is their literally hated rival. They hate everything about Texas. If you don't believe me, then go back and watch Texas Tech and Texas play basketball last year. That was amazing. Did you guys see those fans and the players mm. uh, running into each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was the guys? What was the guy from K State who chicken wind? Nathan yard? Power. Yeah, he pulled one of those. Pulled a Nathan Power, didn't he? Mm. Um, yeah, the answer to this question is Texas Tech and the fact that they have to go on the road and play an 11 a.m. kickoff. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. And people maybe up here don't appreciate the tension going on between those schools. We've been focused on the fact that Bedlam's going to end, which is nonsense. It's nonsense. Screw you, Oklahoma. Make way for playing that game. That's unbelievable. And then they try to blame Oklahoma State. Are you kidding? Are you you guys leave the conference? You guys change the arrangement, and then you blame uh, whatever. Texas is doing the same thing to Tech. Oh yeah, we'll continue to play. They leave. We're not going to play you. What? You guys just screw all the way off to the south. Just keep going. Because I mean, they'd rather play Texas A&M anyway. Yeah, yeah. I Texas Tech isn't Texas's real rival. No, I mean it's kind of like KU and Mizzou. If KU could play Mizzou every year, that'd be their real rival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The TV broadcast talked about it a lot. They were trying to hype up the OUK State rivalry. Like it's a competitive game year in and year out, sure, but it's not a, a true rivalry but i i don't know like texas tech you beat texas texas is always overrated i think oklahoma is like k-state truly pulled off a remarkable upset so i would fear k-state i'll disagree with you cole and say that k-state's at a little bit of a disadvantage um looking at a potential hangover gotta hate hangovers Hmm. they get worse i still think it's texas tech i i do think they it's just, Texas tech yeah. i don't want to call beating texas their super bowl but that's that's the bigger emotional victory for them. And they were if, at if home. Texas, Texas it's at home good. too. It's at home. It doesn't matter what Texas is. It's Texas. It's like beating KU for K State. Mm. I don't think. I don't I think, think most can, people realize Texas is overrated as always. Yeah, but it's like when we that truly about, is a rivalry yeah. game. And if you can pencil and circle one game on the schedule as we got, we want to win this one because this is going to make us really happy. If you're a Texas Tech fan, it's it's Texas. It's about emotions. I think Texas Tech players had a little bit more of a fun time on Saturday night than K State players coming home at four in the morning. It's hard for K State players to have a lot of fun, but Texas Tech. Those Red Raiders had the whole entire night to celebrate, and they are probably still happy. Just look on Twitter and talk to their fans about it. So, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. But K-State was underdogs by 14. That was that number was like half at 7 for Texas Tech. So it was a much bigger upset. I'm, I'm aware of what the spread was. Yeah, both I'm aware because I lost. Both of them? Both of them. <laughs> I lost both of them. And this is why you should not listen to the pregame podcast with yours truly and Fitz. No, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm looking out for them financially. Don't is do Fitz, it. Is Fitz stealing money from his charity? I don't know. Uh, to, uh. Fitz, Fitz did not make money for a cause last week. Let's put it that way. I got off to a good start with Baylor winning at Iowa State money line. Got it. And then it went all south from there, ending with BYU choking. Go. Next question. I'm mad at the Mormons. Next and final question of the 
Power Cat Questions podcast comes from Chris66204. Next weekend is the first full slate of Big 12 conference games. Rank them in order of expected importance slash impact on the conference race. I have them right here if you'd like me to. Just read them all. Read them off. The Oklahoma State Cowboys at the Baylor Bears. The Iowa State Cyclones at the Kansas Football Jayhawks. The Texas Tech Red Raiders at Kansas State. Oklahoma at Texas Christian University. Horn Frogs and West Virginia at Texas. They all are, have a purpose in this race. Uh, can I say the last one is last? Yeah, but what if West Virginia beats Texas? That would be hilarious. Uh, um, well, then it's just you're just trading losses at that point. I still I think. feel like KU, Iowa State, that's the worst game on the docket. Yeah. Worst or least significant? Least significant. Least significant. I would agree. I think it's going to be a great game. But it's not going to be significant to the Big 12 title race. Well, the the, no, the obvious answer is Oklahoma State at Baylor. That's number one. Number one. Number one. Yeah. yeah. Easy. I'd probably say it's probably biased to say it, but K-State, Texas Tech. They are 1-0. Mm-hmm. But Tech doesn't. They're not going to make a run at the Big 12. No, no but it's two 1-0 teams. How about Oklahoma and TC? You can, I, I, you know, I would almost say that's the second most important one because if Oklahoma loses, it's hard. we know it's hard to win on the road. If Oklahoma loses, they have two conference losses. They're pretty much going to be on thin ice for the rest of the season right. in the conference race. So, See, I disagree with you. I think Iowa State-Kansas might be the second because here's why. If Kansas wins that game, KU is 2-0 and in the conference and Iowa State is 0-2. That flips the whole script on who's good and who's bad in, in the old Big 8 schools, at least. And if KU loses at home, they go crashing back to earth. I think it starts to come unraveled. You, so, it's going to come unraveled at some point, though. You mentioned that earlier, that once defenses sort of figure out how to stop that team. Iowa State's defense is pretty good. I think they're yeah, going to yeah. But even if it's not Iowa State, somebody's going to stop them at this some is, point. This is the best challenge KU's had by far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I think the Baylor-Oklahoma State game is number one by far, and then everyone else has kind of been a pack below that. You can rank them based on your need. But I would agree West Virginia-Texas is probably at the bottom. Where does K-State fall in this thing? I'd put them three. Second or third. I'd, I'd have Iowa State-Kansas. and really? then OU-TCU is four for you? Yeah, I would. I would, yeah. I think TCU is that bad. Mm. And I, I, think, I think OU wins that game. Well, national, yeah, I do too. National pundits here, I think, would probably rank K-State a little bit higher because these are two teams, like we've mentioned, Texas Tech just beat Texas, K-State just beat OU. Who is legit? I think we know the answer, but, I mean, you can make an argument that Texas Tech has a better resume than K-State. They beat Houston, who is a group of five team who is going to be in the Power Five. Now, that win is not as impressive as Missouri, but Missouri's pretty terrible too. So, you know, Texas Tech lost to NC State. K-State lost to Tulane. You could make an argument if you're a Tech fan that Texas mm-hmm. Tech has a better resume than K-State. I would agree with that. Even though I think K-State's got a far better win, but yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. You can make that argument. And what? K-State is 10-1 and versus Texas Tech the last 11 years? All I know is you need to follow the advice of Ryan Gills Gilbert because he's going to get locked in and start making a lot of money. If you would have followed me this week. If you saw the lack of confidence on his face right now, you would cancel all of your betting accounts. He's shell-shocked by what he's, what's happened to him the last few weeks. What did you say? The, I have no words. What did you say the score was going to be for K-State, Oklahoma? Well, like you have to atone for this on the podcast. 10 or something, OU? I know. I believe you picked 40 to 9 on the pregame. Okay. Uh, on the pregame You're welcome, everyone. Predictions. You are welcome. And now he thinks K-State has a hangover, so this is a good, this is a good thing. Mm, that is a good thing. 
I'm just going to start fading myself, honestly. You're going to decide what you like and then bet against what you like? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting tactic, Cotton. I'll let you know how it pays off. Yeah, nothing's paying off for you this year. (laughs) That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast. Zach has to golf. Ryan Gills Gilbert needs to do whatever the hell he does with his free time. And Cole Carmody will probably do some things like rescue puppies and kittens from trees. I am going to nap. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.